0: of good days cats and kittens and welcome to another gristly lump of discontent provider the podcast that pre-chews the news for you thus saving you from having to be so uncouth as to spit it into the furthest available corner or does it I ask this vaguely ominous question not through any confusion as to our remit were we to have anything so beastly and crass as a mission statement, or a customer's pledge, its uh, tenets would be achingly familiar to us by now. Whenever now is, of course. Ah, which enigmatic tone leads us back to that question, or does it? One might just as well ask, or will it come to that? You see, podcast pals, while Arkham and I exist very much in our happy place right now, I I can tell because I'm sitting on a small stone and it's digging into my lower portion something fierce.
1: Uh,
0: That's better. Uh, And Arkham's having a nice paddle. Uh, We are, for all intents and purposes, outside of time. Right now. At this moment. Not that words like now or even moment are wholly applicable, I suppose. Uh, At least not beyond the... uh, the immediate context of my using them I- i'm not getting into the complex syntax of time travel that was of course or will be of course done with considerable elan and charm by mr douglas adams in the restaurant at the end of the universe back when few could have guessed that the fun and whimsy of the hitchhiker series would one day be replaced with the leaden heavy-handed mythology fetishizing seriousness that the young scallywag had once sought to lampoon not a popular opinion amongst the fan base, I'll grant you, but I still maintain that the writing was on the wall for anyone with eyes to see it when the chap started lording dire fucking straits. But I digress. And why not? When time itself is meaningless, a boy and his dog can probably afford to dawdle awhile in the odd promising cul-de-sac, eh what? You might be hearing this a month or so hence. Or these tawdry musings may go undiscovered until a lone wanderer comes upon them on a flickery green-screened terminal in a post-apocalyptic urban wilderness centuries from whenever now might be. You know, like in the Fallout games. Or perhaps you don't. Anyway, the point, such as it is, is that this isn't one of our normal episodes. It's what I believe is known in the podcasting trade as a get-ahead A chunk of frozen sound kept in abeyance until such time as it might be needed due to the usual schedule being disrupted by a sudden catastrophe, a prior engagement, a technical issue or a more than customarily savage bout of ennui brought about by a diabolical hangover or a crushing sense of disillusionment caused by the fact that Doctor Who has finally become unwatchable. Well, it, it might happen one day, though by gosh and giddy gumdrops, it would have to be going some, cats and kittens. I'm a die-hard fan. It's an odd feeling. In a way, it's rather liberating not to be chained to the immovable, jagged rock of current events, while one's already suffering liver is mauled by the malignant eagle of causality, Uh, Trying to cram a week's worth of indigestible horror into 20 minutes and making things rhyme can be, if I'm to be honest, quite a chore after all. On the other hand, without anything current to sink our teeth into, Arkham and I are at a bit of a loss for content, and while just looking at one another in our favourite spot might be fearfully jolly for us, both, and uh, and how we used to pass the time here before podcasting occurred to us as a wizard wheeze, uh, it doesn't make for groundbreaking or compelling audio. But what's to be done? Rip into some particularly odious celebrity purely for shits and giggles? Well, that is always heaps of fun. One might almost say oodles of fun. But if they happen to have died the day before some automated system hurls this tranche of twaddle into the interweb, I'd look like quite the cunt, would I not? Even worse, I'd look like the sort of burke who hasn't kept up with the news. A I can handle, but obsolescence is a painful living death for the provider of topical discontent. What we're left with, then, is this. A generalised slab of pure, opinionated thesis that should A. Satisfy your insatiable, almost carnal hunger for a weekly dose of Foxy's dulcet tones and Arkham's judicious silence, and B be as relevant years, centuries or aeons from now as it was at the time of the recording. You see, cats and kittens, I'm not, as you know, one to go on about how frightfully clever and wise I am as a rule. But, as there's nothing else on hand, I might as well indulge in a little preening, because I rather fancy that I've solved the mystery that has perplexed political thinkers for, lo, these many years. Or, you know, millennia, epochs or whatever non-specific span of time goes after eons. To be honest, I don't think there is one, is there? Poor, frail efforts that we are, adrift in infinity and ravaged by the awareness of entropy uh, practically in the cradle, we don't really need to consider any span of time between an eon and measureless eternity. Mind you, assuming that humanity does manage to limp on throughout the interminable wasteland of agglomerated eras to a point where even the most swatty of mathematicians are at a loss as to how to continue enumerating the years without making calendars the size of a whale's whatnot, two verities of the human condition will still, I feel sure, be very much in play. Firstly, People, cyborgs, or human and silicon-based alien hybrids who are past the age of 30 will still think that the music that the kids are into is a terrible and pointless row with no discernible lyrics. And secondly, I'd bet hyperpennies to galactic pounds that, should it still exist, parliamentary democracy will still be an ungodly shit show, people by ravening raveling egotists, frauds, hypocrites and self-serving degenerates. So I might as well take this opportunity to explain just how politics might be made to... Well, maybe work is pushing it a tad, but at the very least function without too much of a stench of atavistic greed and soul-buggering ineptitude. Fancy that, do you? Mm, Well, like all truly word-changing ideas, the wheel, the light bulb, and those soft-bristled gadgets on the end of a long pole for catching spiders, it's essentially simple... We ban political parties. Sounds a wit draconian, I know. After all, the freedom of people to assemble in the back rooms of pubs and hash over their half-baked political fantasies has been a well-established democratic uh, right. The thing is, getting rid of such merry little talking shops is only a fearful act of oppression if it's enforced by a big and powerful party looking to maintain a monopoly on its power. This, in my design, wouldn't be the case. What we would have, then, would be a parliament made up of 650 independent MPs, a disparate group of people with a genuine interest in government, their own individual views on any number of issues, and not one of them groomed, prepared, or pre-programmed by a gaggle of spin doctors and think-tank wonks to operate upon a script or run along rails arranged for them by a committee of sinister, faceless, and ultimately unaccountable political weirdos. If nothing else... The absence of media consultants in the mix would, at a stroke, eliminate both that infuriating Tony Blair gesture all politicians still use, whereby two angled open palms bob up and down as though somebody's trying to calm an invisible horse, and MPs who preface every fucking utterance with the word so would also be gone for a Burton. Already a winner then, I'm sure you'll agree. But should you not be already convinced... Here are some other advantages of Parliament without parties. The most obvious boon to human progression, of course, is the elimination of the corrosive effect of rigid dogmatism. While it could be argued that all political philosophies might have something to offer, none of them are sufficiently flexible to adapt to an ever-changing world. Rather, our aspiring MPs would be guided by their own uh, values. Now, these values might be great... Or they might be shitty beyond words. But as we're already rolling those dice on every polling day, I can't see things being so mind-bendingly different on that score. Uh, Admittedly, the pragmatism and wholesale nest feathering of the modern political class has already made some sensational strides in depoliticising politics, but uh, I rather fancy that more could be done. Especially as, and this leads us neatly into the second point, the potential for corruption, fiddling, perks, backsheesh, and clandestine fiscal hand jobs delivered by well greased palms would be drastically reduced. Without political parties, there would be no need for backers, for gifts, for funding, to pay for administrative costs, advertising, fancy dinners, child prostitutes, and all the other trappings of a well run political operation. As there would be no national parties, there would be no need for directors of communication on five-figure salaries to map out uh, national strategies or whatnot. Instead, any putative parliamentarian who has applied to stand as a candidate would receive official credentials identifying them as such, and local media outlets – TV, papers, the radio – and the social media firms would be obliged to give them an agreed-upon number of spots, adverts or promoted posts during the run-up to the election. With fewer legitimate expenses then, there would be no need for large-scale funding, which would not only obviate the endless and pointless arguments wherein MPs are called, corporate shills or union puppets, with both sides being apparently oblivious to the mote and beam nature of what they're screaming about, but would also free them from any obligations save that of representing their local constituents in the manner that they will have pledged to do. Further financial squeaky cleanery could be effected by instantly freezing the bank accounts of all candidates and a specific parliamentary bank account being set up for them. The details of these accounts could, and would, be made available to anyone at any time, ensuring both total transparency and making it impossible to hide any questionable transactions. Should they fail to get elected, of course, these accounts would be closed down and they could go back to their usual banking arrangements as private citizens, while those that make the cut would have their MP's salary and expenses paid into them, with the same understanding that they might be subjected to scrutiny at a moment's notice. Are you digging it so far, cats and kittens? (laughs) I thought you might be, you know, but it gets better. Our new intake of MPs enter the house, tremulously lowering nervous buttocks onto the sacred green leather. And what then? I'll tell you what then, since you had the decency to ask. A raffle. That's right, a good old-fashioned tickets-in-a-hat raffle. The prizes? (laughs) Why, being Prime Minister... Or chairing the parliamentary committees that would replace the uh, preposterous ministerial system, of course. Clearly, we have to have somebody to represent the country at important state occasions. Meeting foreign leaders, mouthing empty platitudes of sympathy when earthquakes devastate countries other than our own. Or when some poor bastard has to make the most appalling cunts of themselves by being a good sport on an ill-judged reboot of a long different light entertainment programme. So what better way of picking them? I'm in my early, very fucking early fifties, and I'm bound to say that being monstrously competent or a sensationally gifted orator are not quite as essential qualifications for the job of Prime Minister as we've been led to believe. Similarly, rather than maintaining the fiction that some perfectly ordinary bod can, sometimes in a matter of months, be an omniscient authority on such diverse matters as sport, culture and heritage, agriculture and fisheries and the exchequer, the runners-up in the draw would be given the gig of running committees for the various uh, matters of government, which we already have. These committees could, free from party control and overarching ideology, come up with policies which could then be debated in the chamber. And, of course, that is where the system would really show its worth. Rather than merely being a numbers game... Each motion being voted for along party lines, enforced by the whips, MPs would have to genuinely debate, form and listen to proper opinions, proper arguments, weigh them up against their own values and views, and vote accordingly. At the moment, it's just a charade. A minister, when speaking of a new bill they want to get through, might just as well place stackers humanoid on their phone, or fart the trumpet voluntary as saying anything, as how ever compelling any arguments put forth by the opposition, they are all but guaranteed to win each debate. A waste of time, energy, money, resources, and all in all, a protracted and pompous fuck-you to the intelligence of the public. Now, all right, by allowing this dismal state of affairs to continue unabated for centuries, perhaps the public's intelligence deserves a bit of derision, but surely it's paid for its mistake in that regard a thousandfold by now. Real Debates A parliament of disparate nerds and oddballs genuinely committed to values other than self-enrichment and freedom from shadowy backers with deep pockets. It might not be perfect, but it has to be better than our current system and it might actually wind up being a friend to democracy as opposed to its smug, soulless date rapist. And of course, it's the civil servants that do all the work so we keep the departments of work and pensions defence and whatnot uh, running and uh, they just do the do the the policies that Parliament have properly voted upon you see, you see, simple, simple Uh, now there is of course a chance that some pretty unpalatable or extreme views might, uh, might creep into the bully base of mainstream politics but I doubt it, you know The true fringe freaks never do all that well in elections, and even if they did, even if they did somehow manage to scrape their beastly way into the house, without a party machine behind them, some fascist wannabe would have to use logic, reason, personal persuasion, to garner support for any fearful policies they might be hatching in the grubby incubator of their mind meat, and as those are rarely areas in which those people shine... I can't see them gaining anything beyond a big laugh all round. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything. Dear me, podcast pals. But remodelling an entire political system is thirsty work. So I think I've earned a bit of a whistle-wetter. Arkham and I will take our leave of you. And perhaps at some, some point in the future, we'll get together for another one of these timeless tate a tate atates. tates ain't what? Normal podcasting will resume soon I dare say So please continue in your unstinting Some might say fanatical Support of discontent provider And as we return to our timeless limbo From the silver fox and the black and white dog Cheerio
1: The house lights rise to illuminate torgy ruins are fun. The cheap balloons that pop too soon, the fag burns on the carpet. The music's gone, stale silence reigns, the last few guests are leaving. Drunken, stumbling, bleary-eyed, all filled with the sense of mournful pride at the memories of promises bought and sold like cattle at a market. It looks as though the party's finally over. But didn't we all have a way of a time? Felt like it would last forever As we danced and sang and stole together Did the hokey-cokey as we covered up each other's crimes By that punch bowl filled with melted ice I took part in my first coup Making goo-goo eyes at another guy Denouncing you with well-honed tact How we laughed after when you told me you were planning the self-same trick No hard feelings, just plain dealings And anyway we both made a fortune where the others went Stabbed the new leader squarely in the back It looks as though the party's finally over But we made the most of it all while it lasted We drank champagne and we ate fresh crab Knowing someone else would pick up the tab Did the hokey-cokey at a bacchanal for bastards? behind me as I go to fetch my coat Did I accomplish one damn thing for anyone who wasn't me What's the point of asking though it's far too late to make amends I did what I was told, I stuffed my pockets up with gold and most importantly of all I got off God free. It looks as though the party's finally over. Tomorrow it will all feel like a dream. The numbered bank accounts in Zurich will be solid proof that we did the hokey-cokey while we hatched out our scheme. Yeah, it looks as though the party's finally over. We fought, we loved, we succeeded and we lost just like other people do. We did our best and when we didn't we still pretended that we did. We did the hokey cokey as we told the mugs at home, fuck you.